What's up? People, people, people. All right. What's up, guys? Let me let me drag Third Eye Navigator in here. Let's see. I've never done a, a thing before. Let's see. Oh no, Jean Ray, what the hell? It says you you're unable to join. Hold on. What is that about? There we go. Much better. Hold on. We're going to figure this out. You are the only person in here, Jean Ray, that it says you can't join. What is that about? No, there's somebody else too. What is the deal with that? Why? Everybody else, you and one other person, it says unable to join. You and Nandan, Nandasinog. Hey, leave the thing and shut down your Instagram and pop right back up. I don't want to do this if you're not going to do it, man. It takes all the fun out of it. No, the disappointment. I can't live with it, man. Guys, we've been looking forward to this so much. I don't want to have technical difficulties now. How's everybody else doing, though? I'll keep you entertained for the moment. We're going to do this one way or another. All right, let me see. Dude, it still says you can't join. Click on, hey, click on, um, let's try this. Click on the top of your screen, Jean Ray. Click on the top of your screen where it that has the number of, uh, oh, wait, you'd have to go live on yours, I bet. I don't know if it does it on yours. I'm committing the cardinal sin. I'm, I'm drinking scotch. I'm drinking uh, Johnny Walker Black. And yes, I'm well aware that alcohol is poison. I am. Sometimes I, uh, it's the best thing that I've found to uh, to defer to whenever my brain won't stop and I need to chill out. Yeah, you can go live, but the problem is, man, we won't. I've got a bunch of uh, a bunch of my friends that that you know the the followers and stuff that uh, they won't know that I'm live on your thing, and that's the problem. Yeah, alcohol is not good. I agree. It's really not. And I don't do it. I don't do it in excess anymore. But um, today was a crazy day. I've got a problem with my brain cage, and sometimes I can't shut it down. Let's see, dude. Check your internet. That is crazy. I don't understand why it would be a problem. Hmm. 
I don't know what the deal is there. Yeah, so I've got a little glass of scotch and a, and a big glass of water. That's how I roll. I don't know, man. I can go with anybody else. That's so sad. Why in the world would that not work? Dude, I don't know. Reset your internet connection. Reset your phone. Do something. Because everybody else in here. Dude, it's, it's the NSA. No, Jeremy. It says Jeremy can't join. Nan. Nanda. Whatever. Nan can't join. And you can't join. So three of the nine people in here can't join. It says unable to join. But I can invite Tyler, Josh, George, Julio. I don't know, dude. That's that's really crappy. I'm sorry. That's oh, that sucks. Yeah, just like I don't know. Reset your whole phone. Turn your put it on airplane mode. Reset your internet connection. Reconnect to Wi-Fi. There's no reason why you shouldn't be able to join. That's really wacky. This is like not going to be the same without you here. In the meantime, you guys see my see my shirt? Can you see that? I don't know if you can see it. I might have to turn up my my light. Colorado. It's a grass-fed beef and it's a cow with a joint. I got that in Durango. We went hiking. Up in Durango, we saw a bear. We were up. Uh, we were at a, at a at an RV park in in Durango, Colorado, and it was like eleven forty five, and we were sitting outside. Uh, it was me and my dog Thor, who you guys probably know, and um, he's a you know a hundred pound German Shepherd, and he's like sitting out there on his bed at like eleven forty five, and Ashley had just gone to the uh, to the laundry thing to take the laundry, and uh, when she got back to the camper. She went inside, and I, like, I walked inside to go make another drink, and I was sitting outside just chilling, just staring at the trees and everything, and Thor just comes fucking unhinged, and he's like snarling. He hops up from his bed, and he goes to the edge of the camper, and he's like snarling and barking, and um, I go around the edge of the camper, and I'll be damned if, if Thor doesn't have, there's like a 400-pound brown bear around the corner of the camper, and he's like right across the, the little alley where the, between the campsites or whatever, and... Uh, he looks back at me and he's like, what the hell do I do? Like, you know, do I go after him? So I bolt toward Thor to go grab him. And he thinks I'm running toward the bear. So he takes off after the bear. And so this like four, 400, 450 pound brown bear like turns around and hauls ass. He like looks at Thor and looks at me and he's like, oh, fuck this. This is not worth, this is not worth my time. So that was my experience with Thor and the bear. That was, uh, that was the day I knew my dog was down to shit. Okay, I'm going to try this again. Man, I'll show you. This is crazy. I'm going to take a screenshot because this is... I feel I feel terrible. This is sucks. I don't know why it... Alright, I took a screenshot for you, man. I don't know what the deal is, buddy. I don't know why it's... It, but it's still... I'll send you the screenshot later. But it, it, it totally just says you can't join. I think the NSA is blocking us.
we've been we've been um what is up awesome person yeah we've been we've been censored they don't want jean ray and i doing a podcast so let that build some let that build some anxiety remind me in a minute we'll try again i don't want to hold everybody else up dude yeah that's crazy we were having weird phone issues earlier when he and i were talking i'm not saying it was the nsa but it was probably the nsa yeah, so at this point, Jeremy cannot join me if I wanted to invite him to do a joint deal, and you can't join me. Everybody else can join me. All right, man. Well, you can still participate and be your normal awesome self because I love you and you're amazing. Let me try to adjust my tripod here. I've got the coolest tripod, dude. One day we're going to get sponsored and we're going to have all kinds of people sending us cool shit like this, but you guys got to... I've got this cool tripod that you can... You can go on the the the, uh, the YouTube broadcast and probably see it. Um, Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll catch up. We're going to have to figure this out, though. I don't know how to test the live feed without going live, but we'll have to figure it out. Have you guys... Okay, before I get into anything... Well, yeah, we'll we'll do a what we'll do is we'll do a Skype a Skype call together, man. I'll tell you what, that's what we'll do. Because I think that you and I could put on a, a great a great uh podcast. We'll do a Skype um maybe maybe tomorrow or later this week or, you know, whatever. We'll we'll, we'll get a Skype deal done. Cuz after all the conversation we've had, I, I feel like it, we would just put on a badass show. It would be really cool. Um Yeah, that's what we'll do. Yeah, we'll do a Skype call. Well, what? Man, I feel bad because I, you know, I don't want to talk about what we were going to talk about because I'm going to ruin it. But you know, we've got so much, man. We could go into so much here. Um, and I am recording this for YouTube, so this is hey, what's up? Spoil me. We're gonna um, we're gonna go ahead and record this for YouTube since since John Ray is not here, and then we'll we'll start doing these on Skype. Real quick, uh, straw poll: How many people have gone to YouTube and um, and uh, subscribed on the YouTube channel. Show of hands, please. And I'll even wait for just a minute while you guys go check out the YouTube. Go search Shamanic Philosophy or go to shamanicphilosophy.com and you can find all the videos on there and you can just go to the YouTube channel through the website. Whatever you want to do. Subscribe on the website or on, the, on YouTube. I learned so much from you guys, it's crazy. Yeah, go to YouTube and subscribe. So uh, let me give you guys a rundown real quick because I need to do this um, and try to spread the word. Um, we, uh, we're we trying to take the, the, the podcast to YouTube so we can do this via YouTube, like YouTube Live, like Joe Rogan does. And JC and I have been over here jacking with the studio all day long, trying to get things like laid out where we can get different multiple camera angles. And he really wants to step up, step up the production. If you guys have watched the podcast, you know who JC is. Um, if you've been on YouTube, um, he's amazing. He's very creative, and uh, he's trying to figure out how to make take this thing to the next level. And we've got some uh, some big people that we're talking to right now about doing some podcasts. It's going to be a lot of fun, but I need you guys to help support it. The more viewers we have on YouTube, the better. Um, that's kind of where we are. 
really need more viewers on the YouTube. We got like 72 subscribers on the YouTube, and we've got like almost 6,000 on here. So the more we can get, the better. I know we can't get everybody from here over to there, but it'd be cool if we could get as many as possible. So if you guys would spread that love and try to get people on board with it, you know, the more you, I'm not asking for donations or anything else. If you just spread the word and try to get more subscribers over to YouTube, that'd be awesome. We can have a lot of fun. And the more the you know the more uh, the more subscribers we get and the more viewers we get on YouTube, the, the bigger people we can get on here to talk to, and you know just the more the more fun we can have. What's up, everybody? Okay. Well, what what uh, Third Eye Navigator and I were going to talk about first? Let me recognize Third Eye Navigator because he's been around since before we started blowing up, and um, he's he's been a good friend for a long time. He's followed and given a lot of support and a lot of positivity. He's been sharing our posts and stuff like that, and so um, I just appreciate the shit out of him. He's just an awesome guy. Uh, Jean Ray is his name. He's uh. A country bumpkin from the south named Jean Ray. Supposed to be Johnny Ray. Call him Johnny Ray. Whatever. But instead, he decided to be born in France, and they named him Jean Ray. So it's all pretty and romantical and stuff. Well, so what we were going to talk about, and I'm probably going to drift off from this. Oh, I'll have to... I just, <laughs> I'm doing a screen recording, and uh, I just pulled up all my passwords on my thing on my screen, so I'm going to make sure that doesn't make it into the, the, the final cut. So what I was going to do is, we, we were going to talk about the, uh, the relevance of, um, the relevance of understanding ancient cultures and civilizations, number one, understanding the relevance and cultures of ancient civilizations. And, uh, hold on, i got to respond to a text message from my boo thing real fast. Um, so what is the relevance of understanding ancient cultures? And then part two of that, or sort of, uh, you know, the, or part B of that is how to use that to navigate modern society how to, how to use what we can gain from ancient civilizations the knowledge and the wisdom that can be gained from ancient civilizations and apply that to, to the to our modern lives and how to how to navigate culture because uh you know third eye navigator he's got such a cool name by the way if you guys aren't following third eye navigator um go follow him now share his stuff he's awesome i've got him on my uh my things on my deal on the, the regular, you know, my, my, <laughs> whatever the hell you call it. Um, he's, he's on all my posts, uh, third eye navigators, buddy. So, um, what can we learn from ancient cultures and then what do we do with it? Right. So I, I don't just follow ancient cultures and study ancient cultures because it's cool and it's interesting. Uh, well, I mean, I enjoy it because it's interesting, but the reality is I, I talk about it to other people because there's a lot of stuff I'm interested in that I don't talk about to you guys or whatever. But like when when I talk when I talk about things, um, it's generally because I think that it can make a difference and it can help people. And the reason I think that understanding ancient cultures can help people is because uh, human beings live by example, and we uh, we we live by what we see around us. And what we see around us today is kind of a broken example to learn from, if you think about it. It's not really a great example. Everybody kind of admits that we're not doing all that great as a society. 
And that's not really a cynical look at things, but it's just kind of an honest look. Let's face it, right? We've got a lot of division and a lot of funky stuff going on, and people aren't generally all that happy with everybody else. And so I think if we look back at ancient civilizations and we understand the messages that they were trying to convey, because they were trying to convey a message, right? Like today, we're not trying to convey a message to people from 2,000 years from now. Like we don't give a shit. We're not thinking, we're not thinking about that at all. But, but the ancient people were actually trying to pass on knowledge to future people. That's why they wrote it in stone. That's why they built megaliths. That's why they did things like the pyramids. Um, they were trying to pass on messages to future people because a, a, a highly evolved culture understands that you need to, um, you, you need to enlighten your, your future generation. So I'm going to go ahead and pull up Instagram on my computer so I can walk you guys through this. Oh, look, there's JC popping up on my Instagram feed right off the bat. So, where is it? I just put it up. Jesus, I post too much stuff. I can't find it. Um, well, wherever it went. So, the, the point is, yeah, I don't know. I can't find what I was looking for. I thought it was a lot more recent than this, but I, I don't see it popping up. But, uh... No, I'm not giving up on this. It's right here. Somebody said, oh, there we go. Confucius. Confucius says, if your plan is for one year, plant rice. If your plan is for 10 years, plant trees. If your plan is for 100 years, educate children. Whoa. Right? So this is the reality of things. Um, the ancient people understood that if there was to be a future for unborn generations, then they would need to educate those unborn generations in advance. And so they left messages behind in the only way that they could um, in the form of hieroglyphics and, and mythology and megalithic architecture, things that would survive. Yes, yeah, Satya Sai Baba. That's a modern day uh, real, real deal. Right? Millions of people have seen that guy perform miracles like a Jesus today. So you have to look up Satya Sai Baba. George Alex just put it in there. That's a that's the real deal. I think I think he's the real deal. Millions of people think he is. Millions of people who've seen him do miracles. But in ancient times, I mean, the ancient people understood that when you look at the construct of, of reality and, and how civilization works, uh masses of people, civilizations, are pretty easy to manipulate. And they do get manipulated over time. I mean, there, there's this this wavelength. There's this, like, ebbs and flows of, of how things work in terms of, like, a golden age and then a falling off. It's a spiral. It's a cycle. If you haven't looked up monadic uh, cycles, you can look that up. Let me uh, pull this up for the, for the screen cap. All right, and then monadic cycles. Oh, you guys can't see it. It doesn't really matter that much. See, if we were doing YouTube, you guys could be looking at this right now. You could be sharing my screen with me. That's why we need to be doing uh, YouTube stuff. But the uh, the ancient people understood that, that, that things worked in cycles. Uh, how, how blurry am I right now? I might be able to share my screen with you. I'll throw my camera on there. I wonder if you could see anything. Hold on. I'm going to try this. I'm going to hate myself for it because it's not going to work well. Oh, my gosh. This is a terrible idea. 
You guys see that at all? Yeah. I don't know if you can see that, but there are ebbs and flows to civilization. This is just a reality. You see the crystals I was growing over there on the shelf with my kids? We've been growing crystals. Non-toxic. Um, the ancients understood that there were cycles. And they tried to... They tried to... Um, pass on that information to people of the future. Okay, if it's good now, then I'll go ahead and give it a shot. I'll try to. I, had, I used to have cycles... I want to show you guys, but I don't want to spend a ton of time looking them up. I used to have them like totally. Oh, wait, hold on. I think we have them. Yeah, we got it. Okay. All right. Ah, that's not a great picture of it. Hold on. I'm going to pull this up. Oh, man. JC, turn the brightness down on this thing because it was too bright. Let's see if we can drag it over there. Uh, I don't know how to turn up my brightness. You guys can see that. Okay, it's probably better that it's not so bright. Um, so the ancient people understood that these cycles of time did exist. And you have like a golden age, and then a silver age, and then a bronze age, and then an iron age, and then a bronze age, and a silver age, and a golden age. And what it is, is, is you can think about it in cycles, or you can think about it in terms of... Um, actually, here, we'll just do that. Maybe that'll work better. So you can think about it in terms of wavelengths, like a, a, you know an ebb and flow type thing. Or you can think about it in terms of cycles. If you do that in a cycle, that's kind of what this is portraying here. So the ancients tried to pass this stuff on in uh, megalithic architecture and stuff like that. Did a pretty good job for the most part. I might even just leave it like that. Start a whole new deal here. Yeah, I'm just going to do a whole new screen recording. There we go. Sorry, guys. I'm like doing production on the fly here. This is yet again another reason why we need to be using YouTube. Um, so once we understand the cycles of time and we understand what the ancients were trying to tell us, we can get that people can be manipulated. And if you look at monotheistic religions today, they do a damn good job of manipulating masses of people. This is like an ongoing, there we go. It's an ongoing thing. So what can we learn from the ancient people? So I tried to model this out a while back. I tried to model out like exactly how would we, um, how would we, uh, Benny Ben Ben, friend of man, really? Um, if you guys are not following Friend of Man, you need to you need to follow Friend of Man. He is the man. He knows his stuff. The man with the plan. Um, 
I got so sidetracked. I'm all over the place tonight. I apologize. It's been a crazy Monday. Uh, so so what I, what I tried to do a while back was I, I tried to actually like map out like how you would draw like metaphysical diagrams of how to live, just how to live, right? So it was like do what you love, add energy and time to that, and that becomes like ritual or practice or whatever, and then add repetition, gain reward from that. That reward in increases your enthusiasm or confidence, which inspires and feeds into a further perpetuation of that effort and time. You know what I mean? Like kind of a metaphysical spiral, and then it became this model that was really um, a tangible model of how you can live your life in a way that is the most fulfilling, the most rewarding, because as human beings, we do everything for reward. And I started trying to, to draw this out, and the words I was using were things like, you know, time and energy um, are also known as practice, and then practice with reward, or practice yields reward, reward yields higher confidence, higher confidence feeds into this, and it was very complicated, it's really hard to verbalize this stuff, and so I was like, shit, man, I'm gonna have to go, like, invent a whole new type of metaphysical calculus to explain how this model works, and then I realized, guys, here's the damn deal. Here's why, here's why the ancient people had their stuff together so well. And here's why we have so much to learn from them. And once I get these, these models up, you guys will see it. But like, if you want to lay out a template for how to live a happy life, doing it in mathematical algorithms is insanely and unnecessarily complicated. Doing it and a mythological storytelling template is simple, it's relatable, a five-year-old can get it, an 85-year-old can get it. And that's when I had a major revelation and realized that the mythologies that we understand from all of these cultures all over the planet, if you were, and I challenge you, draw out how you, how, how you think that a society or, or a human being should live. Draw out how a person should live and then try to try to put it into like a mathematical algorithm or try to put it into a, a page of, of narrative text. Put it into any format you want to put it into and see if you don't come up with the same conclusion. If you're going to teach a person how to live, if you want to pass on some template for how to live properly to your kids and to future generations or whatever, it is it is so difficult to do in a mathematical algorithm. Like, I, I, I came up with a bunch of stuff. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Balance is the key. Balance is the key. But there there are specific things that you can do or that you can teach a five-year-old, you know? I mean, you know, we always say things like practice makes perfect. How many of you guys know what, like, Aesop's Fables? You guys have heard of Aesop's Fables? By the way, I think my mom's in here, guys. Me ma. My ma's in the building. So don't talk about mushrooms. <laughs> That's okay. She knows I do a lot of mushrooms. Um, what, what I found, Aesop's fables are like these old stories that have been told by ancient people. Um, 
God knows how long. God knows how long. Uh, they're 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 Greek, I guess. And uh, and they're super ancient, but like people still talk about them today. It's kind of like the farmer's almanac. Like we kind of take for granted, like the farm farmer's almanac. If you're in America, at least you know. In America, in the South, we tend to think, most people think, if you talk to most people in the South and in the United States, we tend to think that, like, the Farmer's Almanac is, like, some construct of of, uh, of of the United States. Like, our farmers came up with it, like, you know, 200 years ago or something, you know. But the reality is, these things are ancient, man. They're ancient. They're so old. And Aesop's fables is um, that they were, they were used as ethical guides in the Renaissance and, and and far back beyond that, and the ancient people realized something that we we struggle with, and that our left brain materialist scientific community and other people are having a problem with. Um, sidebar, that is changing. If you guys remind me, I'll come back to that. But but our left brain literalist scientist, right? Left brain, remember, left brain is is literal, material, sub, uh, objective. Um, uh, they don't understand symbolism, right? Right brain is very symbolic, uh, uh, metaphorical, like we can understand metaphor. And the balance between the two means balance balance in, in, in discernment versus open-mindedness, closed-minded versus open-minded, objective versus subjective. It's a balance, a proper balance between the two. That's where you get the unicorn concept is the energy coming out the pineal gland representing balance, uh, connecting with, with source between the two left and right uh, hemispheres. So, uh, the ancient people tried to teach us what what I found um, on my own trying to quantify, uh, trying to quantify, like, this metaphysical process of how to teach someone how to live. They understood that you can't, that the easiest way to do it is, 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 is through teaching mythology, telling stories about people with certain character sets. Because, like, we can think about Captain America you know, from the Avengers or, um, you know, uh, Wolverine from the, uh, you know, from the X-Men, or we can think about, uh, you know, anybody from any movie you can think of. That's Movies are basically modern mythology. And a good movie is true. A good movie, a Jedi, you know, a Jedi hero of some kind is an archetype. You know, friend of man just said it. So a, a, a good Jedi is going to strike you as a good archetype. And, and what we lack today is an understanding of symbolism. This is one of the greatest rep, the greatest evidence of, of the right brain deficit that we have in the world today is that, that no one understands what, what an archetype is. Like most people don't understand what an archetype is. Like they don't, we don't teach it. Like the, the, the discussion of archetypes is not a mainstream discussion that you can have. But an archetype is an understanding. I mean, I mean, it's a it, it's a it's a set of characteristics that uh, that represents an ideal, um, an ideal that that people can strive for. And if you think about like I, I love like uh, Man of Steel. If you guys have seen Man of Steel, I'm sure some of you, most of you, probably have. Russell Crowe, uh, Superman's dad, when he's talking to him, and he's like. Um, you know, he's like, you'll give them an ideal to strive for, and then they'll join you in the sun. Well, what do you what do you think he was doing there? I mean, the sun is the is is sort of 
I mean, in my belief system, just to be clear, I mean, the sun is God. That is God to me. That The sun is what creates all life on earth. If the sun went out tomorrow, we'd all die. The grass would die. The bacteria would die. Everything would die. The sun is God to me. And so, and, and it's also not just to me, but in mythological sense, sun worship was was God to the um, to, to the good pagan people. Um, whereas Saturn or or Satan or Set is is the opposite. Root chakra versus crown chakra. You know, there's there's that that this sort of dichotomous binary relationship. Uh, push pull, good evil, light dark, all that stuff. Fungi doesn't need sunlight, but it needs moisture. Moisture doesn't exist without the sun. Checkmate, bitch. <laughs> I love you. And I don't even know if that's true. I don't even know if that's true. I fungi needs needs moisture, surely. Alright, hold on. Let me let me let me read this. Hold on. Let me see here. We got uh Yes, yeah, so you didn't even encounter, Paul didn't even encounter Plato until long after he left school. Never mind realizing that, that mythology had a kernel of truth to it. Our education system needs a, a radical shakeup. Super true. Chewy, what's up? Yeah. Yeah, there you go. There you go, Chewy. There you go. So, the, uh, the, the topic of the day and the point of the day is what can we learn from the ancients and then how do we apply it to our lives? And um, again, going back to the mythology of it, we can learn from that mythology that, that mythology is a good way to pass on belief systems. But the problem, so here's where we get into the right brain imbalance, right? And there was certainly a right brain imbalance, at least within a lot of cultures and civilizations at some point in time. Um, Whenever you start taking mythology too seriously, right? This is a, remember, in your left and right brain model, you have discernment and literalism versus, um, versus open-mindedness uh, and, and, and being able to understand metaphor. Is Who, li who lived in conflict? Shay? Well, I'll finish that thought and I'll come back to that. But explain what you're saying, what you're asking there. Shay wants to know, uh, but they lived in conflict too. No, so explain that, and I'm going to come back to that. So, uh, and, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Ancients totally did, totally did. Perfect balance is a difficult, difficult thing to maintain, and I don't know if anybody's ever ever maintained it perfectly. But you know, we've all we've all heard Herodotus, the the Greek philosopher, talking about when he visited Egypt and he said they were the happiest people in the world. And we have every reason to believe that they maintain that level of happiness for for thousands of years. I mean, we we we've not been able to maintain happiness in the U.S. We didn't we we didn't manage happiness in the U.S. for for two decades, right? Like we had true freedom in the U.S. for about twenty years. The Egyptians did it for like three thousand. Just I'm just gonna pause and let let that let that soak in a bit. The Atonists in e in Egypt. Shay, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but it was the Atonists that were the monotheists, right? You always remind me of this. But but these guys jacked it up. Um, but back to the balance between left and right brain. Whenever, whenever you get too, op too open-minded and you'll believe anything, which is sort of the state of a lot of spiritual people today, then it becomes easy to control a person. You'll believe anything. You get too discerning, 
You don't believe anything. You don't even believe yourself. And that's what materialist empirical science teaches. Don't even believe yourself. Don't even trust your own senses. Don't even trust your own, uh, your own perception. Only trust what 500 other people can all agree on. And then if you're going to get 500 people to agree on anything, well, you got to have 500 people who are thinking about the same freaking thing, right? And so what does that require? Well, that requires an institution. And so then you have to have an institution of thinkers that are all studying the same thing, which means you have to pay those people, which means you have to have grant money, which means you have to have somebody behind that grant money doing the studies in the first place. So what having balance doesn't make any civilization perfect, and it doesn't make a human being perfect, and there's always going to be some degree of conflict. But again, not just living in a all-in or all-out world or a reality. I mean, I think it's it's only fair to just accept the fact that you can be you can be really far um, on the left brain side and really far on the right brain side, and you can be a really uh, chaotic civilization or a really peaceful civilization, or you can be kind of chaotic, or you can be kind of peaceful. You know what I mean? Um, you know, and to to say that there was I mean, the fact that there was a, an Egyptian civilization for three thousand years, the fact that that even happened speaks volumes to the balance that must have existed in that civilization. And that balance, we know, starts at the individual level and spirals out from there, from individual, family, clan, civilization, um, environment, and so forth. So it, that that is what you'll find in mythology. And what, what we're going to be doing um, on the Shay, I'll come back to the Garden of Eden, let me finish this thought. But what we'll be doing in uh, when JC and I do the, uh, the, uh, the the movie reviews that we're setting up here soon is is analyzing the truth and balance in movies. So showing how there is this balance because a good movie will always have balance and you can map it out on like an XY axis or even even I mean an XY chart, even even an XYZ chart in some cases. No, no, no. Don't say sorry, dude. You're all good. I want to answer it. I just if I I've gotten so bad about just like watching the 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 feed and then I don't I don't finish a thought and god it it makes it almost unwatchable. <laughs> it makes it almost unwatchable on the podcast later. But um but uh if you watch a movie, you can see like the 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 level of activity and then the level of positivity or negativity. Like you can have low activity, somewhat negative you know, it's not like super active ne negativity. Game of Thrones helped me to see this more than anything else when I first started waking up and then like seeing how I could map out on like an XY axis, like how you could see, um, you know, something kind of negative would happen, something kind of positive would happen, something really negative would happen, something really positive would happen. But the beauty of Game of Thrones is that this happened over a long stretch, over like, you know, seven seasons or whatever. And, and what I realized in that was that any good movie, like, you ever seen a really bad movie? Like, just a shitty movie, just like something you never wanted to see again, ever. Like, think about that. Like, what made it so bad? You know what made it bad? Every time, if it's not, if it's not bad acting, obviously. Like, bad acting is the only exception. But the only thing that can make a bad movie bad is a lack of balance. Hello from Texas. Hello to Texas, from Texas. So, a bad movie is bad because it lacks balance. A good movie is good because it has balance. 
the Star Wars movies, from my understanding, um, I'm not a super Star Wars guy. JC is. But I saw the last one at his at his demand. And uh, and the Star Wars uh, the Star Wars movies have balance. They're always talking about balance. And um, every good movie is that way. Every good movie is that way. So if you if you lack balance, if, if there if there is a a negative dip in the storyline, like like if there's a negative thing that happens, like uh, some main character gets wronged in some terrible way, and then that guy never gets his yeah you can call it homeostasis. Um, if something never if something positive never happens to offset that then it's, it's a mathematical balance that must be maintained. And if that balance is not maintained, then the movie ends up being bad. And, and your dissatisfaction or satisfaction with the movie will always correlate or always be directly um, correlative or associated with the, the mathematical degree of imbalance or balance that you find in the movie, right? It's subjective to some extent, but it's also kind of objective. I mean, you can measure certain things that happen. Um, and that's in movies or TV stuff or whatever. What did, uh, Shay, what were you asking? Garden of Eden. Okay. Shay, Shay gets, uh, all right. What do you want? What are we talking about with Garden of Eden? Um, the Garden of Eden is an interesting thing because I, I can go a lot of different directions with that. What what I've been thinking about lately was um, watching. Well, hold on, I got to do my normal cheap cheesy plug that I hate to do, but I have to do it because we have to grow this thing. So if you haven't been to the YouTube channel, please go subscribe. Please do that right now. the uh, The link is in my bio on Instagram. It's super duper easy to to reach. So just go straight there. Go subscribe. Come right back. You're all good. We're trying to get more and more followers on the Instagram because you guys have been amazing. Uh, I mean, on on YouTube because you guys have been amazing on Instagram. But we got to get more people on the YouTube if we're going to keep attracting more and more people and get more people in here. Um, and we've got some some bigger guests coming in and stuff like that. They're going to be a lot of fun. So uh, the more the more subscribers we get on YouTube, the better. And and not to mention, once we do the YouTube, we can do more. There's more editing and more behind the scenes stuff we can do um, while we're doing these live feeds. So that'd be really cool too. And so, so Shay's asking, or friend of man is asking, have we ever lived without conflict? I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know. But I don't know, dude. That's tough. I mean, I, I honestly, I do think, to be perfectly honest, I mean, it's uh, you know, it, it's speculative, like half the things I talk about, but I think, I think we, I think we lived without conflict in the, maybe the very beginning, but you, you know, my stance on this, no one else here does, but, um, yeah, no, Atlantis was not, yeah, Atlantis was a, was a warring, Atlantis was America, <laughs> Atlantis was like America, man, they were pretty material, um, as far as I understand, but they were, they were, um, uh, a lot higher, you know, higher tech than us in in material terms, in certain ways, but certainly spiritually and geophysically and stuff like that. They had they had knowledge that we did not have. Yeah, 
they were warring with Athens and they were doing other stuff. They were taking they they were they were global uh, globally dominating domineering society. They wanted to run everything. I think. Pretty sure I was there. Um. Yeah. So third eye navigator says maybe the whole point of the human experience is dealing with conflict and overcoming it. I really do feel like, and I think that the that the monadic cycles address this. But you know, we really do have these cycles of, you know, gold, silver, bronze, iron, bronze, whatever. We you know we 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 go through these cycles, and that is the point. Again, it's the ebb and flow of time. But if we ever lived, I guess the answer to that is if we ever lived without conflict, it was either in the very beginning, at the very, very beginning, which we probably did, um, or at the peak of a golden age. We don't know jack about ancient Egypt, really, like, you know, what really was going on. But I, you know, there's a lot of evidence. I feel like if you look at the way the civilization was structured and you look at every civilization that we do know about since, we don't see the evidence for constant war and conflict that we have seen in other civilizations since. It only makes sense to me that ancient Egypt had to have been uh, had to have gone a long time without a lot of war and conflict. Well, Irene, thank you so much. Irene says, I was already subscribed to the YouTube channel. Got to go, but really like watching you speak. I know you guys are really going to grow on YouTube. So nice of you. Thank you so much. If we do grow, it's because you're awesome. You guys hear Thor barking at the at the, uh, at the the door? Somebody rang the doorbell. He doesn't like it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't go to the door if I were that person. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I... I so friend of man and I, this is a buddy of mine, and we we're fellow nerds, um, and we you know we're always talking about uh, ancient history and and doing research and discussing the research that we share and or sharing the research that we that we that we come across and I just sort of you know I've voiced this to him and probably not anybody else, but like look, the the history of the human story is is very mysterious. We don't know where we came from. Um, Shay, friend of man, he, he he's 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 willing to dig back into that the the depths of where we came from, and that is why we make a good partnership. <laughs> In terms of nerdy research partners, that that's sort of what he fulfills. For me, it's it's doing my best, and he does this too, very much so and beautifully. Right, I might add. Um, I'm really interested in understanding how we got from where we were to where we are and and what that ebb and flow looked like and mapping out that Paul just subscribed. Yeah, give everybody the YouTube channel. Give everybody the YouTube channel. Um, Shay says, the work I've done on the mind is intriguing. Shay, thank you so much, man. You don't know the half of it. We always talk about ancient civilizations. Like, there's so much about the mind that you and I haven't gotten into. That's, you know, that's like my second favorite thing to think about besides ancient civilizations. And ancient civilizations are my favorite because that's what I grew up studying from the time I was five years old. But, like, the mind stuff has been, like, the last ten years. Um, Jean Ray, thank you so much. Uh, but what I, what, what I like to understand is is... 
if, if you understand psychology, if you understand like behavioral psychology and, 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 and uh, sociology and anthropology, just even over the last 200 years, and then you go into a dark room and meditate, and you do it on, on a regular basis, and you give yourself the historical context to build out a framework to create a picture in your mind. Guys, I know it sounds crazy, but you can start to see the past. You can start to experience it and understand how things change over time because it won't, things that don't make sense won't enter your mind. And you'll start to look back and go, well, here's what's happened over the last 200 years. Like we had the Bolsheviks and we had World War II and we had these, you know, the, the rise of fascism in Eastern Europe. And you start to see how things happen and, and the, how the media plays into it and how people respond to that. And then how masses of people are manipulated. And then you start thinking about how that applies to the individual level. And then you can start mapping that out back through history. And, and that's what I think is so interesting is that if we can understand where we've been historically, like over the last, I mean, it keeps getting pushed back for me, but like, you know, over the last 10,000 years even, if we can just understand that much, then I think we can figure out the last 30,000. And I think at that point we can figure out the last 100,000. So Shay, friend of man, if you're not following him, go follow friend of man. He is uh, one of the deepest thinkers on Instagram. I guarantee you. Um, he and I just nerd out hardcore. Dave just subscribed. Thank you so much, Dave. We're going to build that YouTube community big time. Um, so when Shay and I nerd out, we're talking about, you know, like 30 to 40, 50,000 years ago, 500,000 years ago. Like, what do we think happened a million years ago? We're, we're, we're going crazy way back, way back there because there, there is some crazy stuff that happened way back. But I think, that, I think that if we can piece together, together the last 10,000, that I think there's a lot we can go, we can get beyond that. So I, like, I've got... For instance, I, I've got a, um, let me see if I can pull this up. I don't know if I have it handy, but I'll try. I've got a chronology of like, I'm, what I was trying to do was a, like a, a timeline. And this started out with, uh, with, with a, like Ashley was asked, like Ashley, when we got together, she wasn't really, <laughs> she wasn't really thinking in terms of like, how old is this, this, this Sphinx? You know, she didn't know who Michael Cremo was. You know, that poor girl, man. I have put her through hell. I can't imagine what it's like living with me. It's got to be the worst. But um, I wanted to help her visualize longer spans of time, right? Because most people can't visualize long spans of time. She's thinking in like terms of like the last hundred years, you know? She's like, the civil rights era was like 60 years ago and World War II was like 80 years ago. And, you know, that's about it, you know? And I'm sitting here thinking in terms of like, you know, the last 12,000 years of civilization, 12 to 30,000 years of civilization, you know, 250,000 years of human evolution of, of anatomically modern humans, 2 million years since our last ancestor with, with the apes. If you're, you know, if you think that that's how that went, 65 million years since the last dinosaurs, if you think that that's how that went, I think it was probably more like 20 million years. Um Understanding long spans of time is important if you want to understand the story of, if you want to understand the human story. And, and I'm trying to find right now this timeline that I initially made just for her reference and like for my kids and stuff. But it ended up being this timeline 
uh, yeah, Robert Schock does say that he thinks that the the Sphinx is like 30, 36,000 years old. And I trust Robert Schock. I'm not one to blindly trust people, but Robert Schock, is, he's, he's a serious dude. Boston University uh, geologist. He was the guy that did the initial weather dating on the Sphinx back in 91. He went to the, the World Geological Survey in a room full of the world's leading geologists and showed evidence that the Sphinx had been weathered like for thousands of years by water, by rain. And then he got everybody in the room to agree with him. And then he like removed the side, you know, he had a big projector up at the front of the screen at the room and he like showed everybody the evidence on the, on the projector screen. And then he pulled away the paper he had blocking the rest of the picture and they saw it was the Sphinx and the whole room went crazy. They were about ready to lynch him because the, the Sphinx is in the desert and there, you know, the amount of, the amount of, uh, weathering of, of weather erosion, rain erosion that it would take to cause that kind of, uh, of erosion on the on the Sphinx would take thousands of years of heavy rainfall, and that hasn't happened since the end of the um, of the last ice age. And that you know um, that means that it was already weathered for thousands of years before the end of the last ice age, which means that um, you know that it's probably there for twenty plus thousand years. And if Shock's saying thirty six, I think he and Robert Baval both say that, and. Uh, Probably a good reason to believe that. But so anyway, I created this timeline of like global disasters. This is something, Shay, you and I, I don't know if you and I have talked about this, but like all you guys might be interested in this, but um, I created this timeline of global disasters and the rise and fall of civilizations over the last 12,000 years uh, just to see what the coincidences were. And when I say coincidence, um, I should say correlations, but I mean like you know, correlative incidences of these things. And uh, there are some really interesting things that happen. You know, there was like, you know, there's been some big, what I came to the conclusion of in a, in a nutshell, all this is going to be published in my work on the website eventually <laughs> once I get like the, get my hands around all of it to get it out. But um, what I realized is that the more that global society has grown, the more necessary it has become in the minds of, of, of certain powerful people to control knowledge of the history of the human race. Because the reality is, every few hundred years, you know, five, six hundred years, a significant chunk of our planet gets fucked up bad. Like, really bad. Like, really bad. Like, a, an entire hemisphere or a, like, quarter of a hemisphere gets like obliterated, like really bad. And if you control a population and, uh, and, and keep them, keep them in the dark, you can kind of keep them running in this rat race, running in a, in a hamster wheel and doing whatever they want to do. Um, but if people, if people awaken to the reality that, that every few hundred years, every four or five, 600 years, a quarter of the global population gets wiped out. And then every, 1500 years half the global population gets wiped out and every 2500 years 90 percent of the global population gets wiped out from like a comet or meteor or or or, or geological activity then, then then our perspective will change and, and if you look at what the native americans knew and what the pagan people of the past knew they um hold on ashley's about to bring me some food guys this is serious business Um, 
the pagan people of the past, look, this is about to get deep. Are you guys ready to get deep? This is like the deepest shit I've, <laughs> I've ever gotten into. I'm glad we got into this, but I'm about to go deep on this. So, ultimately, what we fear is death. What we fear is death. And what we fear right after death is is we, we, we fear that we are not ultimately going to be happy in life. That's, that's the two biggest fears we have in that order. Well, if you, if you were to take a civilization that thought that life just went on forever for our progeny, which not coincidentally is our third fear, is that our progeny is, is happy and successful and taken care of. Um, if, uh, if we, if we as, as, as a global civilization, if people understood... Like, first of all, we, we all disconnect ourselves from the reality that we're going to die. Like, individually, on a daily basis, we, we block out the fact that we are going to die. On a daily basis, we walk around with that, that complete, certain reality as far from our minds as possible. And it's how most of us get through the day. Not most of the people in this room, but I mean most of the people in general. You know, most of the people in the world pretty much block that out. People in this room, meh. For the most part, we probably don't give a shit, right? Death is not a big thing up... I'm just not worried about it. Think about it all the time. Not not concerned with it. But this is something we put out of our minds. By the way, this is a good time for me to plug uh, Sam Harris's. Um, Sam Harris is a philosopher I like. He's an awesome guy in, in a lot of ways. Hello, dear. Hi. I got food, guys. Thank you, love. You're I love you. Love you. Come on. Bye, cat. Um, Sam Harris did a, did a video called uh, It's Always Now. JC and I put it into our last podcast, which <laughs> got flagged for copyrighted content, kind of like JC told me it would, and I told him it probably wouldn't. Um, but what's what Sam talks about in this in this uh, in this video is he says it, it, we. Oh, look, we got a minute and a half left. I'm going to pop right back on after we're done, guys. I mean, after this, I'm going to got a minute and a half. If you guys want to rejoin, you can. If not, my feelings won't be hurt. I know I've been on here a long time, but but I am about to just jump into this because if I don't, I'm not. I'm never going to. And since I am recording this live, there's no point in me not doing it. But we distract ourselves from the fact that we're going to die. Sam Harris did a video called It's Always Now. Go YouTube it. It's like six minutes long. It's It's totally worth your time. And what he talks about is the fact that we distract ourselves from the reality that we're going to die because we're afraid of it or whatever. But if you face it, you would live your life in a whole different way. Whoa. Like, think about that. You would live your life in a whole different way if you knew that you were going to die. And you and you not I'm not saying you dwell on that. Not that, you know, there's anything to really be afraid of, I think, there, but you would live your life in a whole different way. You wouldn't you wouldn't watch bad movies four times. You wouldn't fight with your spouse. I'm just certain things you wouldn't do. And so I think hiding our history from us and keeping us distracted on the day-to-day keeps us, um, you know, first and foremost, it keeps us from, from uh, connecting with the reality of our own mortality. If you can keep someone from connecting with their own mortality, then you can get them to do whatever you want, whatever kind of mindless bullshit you want them to do, and whatever you want them to do, oh,
What's for dinner? Vegan pizza. And scotch. There we go. I think we got everybody back. Um, so the point is, if you, if you can keep one individual distracted, if I can keep Shay distracted from the fact that he's going to die one day, then his mind is really mine to control. Wolf is online. Guys, my favorite Viking, Wolf Bullman, in the building. Crazy, beautiful human being that he is. You guys go go follow Wolf Bullman too. He uh what what a great human being. Um what a crazy human being. <laughs> How you been, buddy? Um but if you if you can control one human being's mind and keep them from from connecting with the reality uh of their own mortality then you can get them to run any rat race you want them to run. The same is true of civilizations. And so when I started pulling up the uh, the the research on on like volcanic activity, for instance, right? Like there there are super volcanoes, and then there are like not technically super volcanoes in calderas and stuff, but like but big ass volcanoes, like you know, besides Krakatoa and Yellowstone and places like that. But there are big volcanoes that that kill millions of people. When they go off. And this happens every couple hundred years, right? But, like, when's the last volcano you can think about erupting? Besides Mount St. Helens, for instance, right? Hey, Shay, I ordered that uh, that Velikovsky book that you told me to order. One of them. Yeah, Wolf's a big gay Viking. He always wants to hug me. <laughs> Are you in Iceland? I thought you were in Norway. Anyway. St. Helens is showing activity again, huh? I didn't know that. Hey, guys. Um, that's JC. Abbott JC. That's my buddy. That's my that's my multimedia wizard. I think that's his actual job title. He's the multimedia wizard behind shamanic philosophy. He's about to take us to a different level. He's got all kinds of ideas. Um, but if you can if you can get if you can get so yeah, go follow him. He's a he's a he's a cook. He cooks amazing shit. Um, <laughs> you guys crack me up. Uh, but when I, when I looked at, at, at the historical records, there are major problems that, that, that pop up with, uh, with, with these, the, these different geological activity meteors. There's, you know, the reason I think there is so much confusion about Atlantis is because there, there have been massive, massive local floods like the Baltic Sea Flood or was the Black Sea Flood or whatever, like in... 2500 BC or something like that. 2500 years before that, there was another one, um, you know, in a slightly different part of the world. And in searching for a bigger picture thing, 
like a bigger picture disaster, like a global disaster or, or semi-global disasters that, that screwed up half the planet, what I found is there are tons of smaller disasters that wipe out a quarter of the planet all the time. Like it, the human race is a very fragile thing, man, and the Earth is a very fragile thing. And there are periodic fuck-ups that, 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 that really have a major impact on things. So the point is, the ancient people knew this. The ancient people, like, according to, you know, Shay, you probably know better than I do, but I mean, like, you know, certainly every Native American tribe from the Mayans, the Aztecs, the Hopi, um, the Navajo, um, the uh, the Maori people in Australia or New Zealand or, you know, the, the South Southwestern Pacific, um, we're living in like the fourth world, the fourth world. So the world has been destroyed like four. Actually, the Mayans, I, I think, say five. The Viking or the Vikings say five. Uh, but if you read if you read the stories, you know the Earth has been destroyed four or five times. And so I was trying to look for evidence of these disasters, not knowing really how long those spans of time would be. And what I've found is uh, Shay, by the way, for the podcast here. Shay says there are whales in the desert, and that is a beautiful story that I want to understand more about, <laughs> but it doesn't surprise me in the least. Um, there have been massive, massive floods that have happened that have wiped out millions and millions of people. You know, we forget about the fact that the Black Plague wiped out like tens of millions of people all over Europe. We forget about the fact that there was a volcanic eruption in El Salvador in 1300 that resulted in a major drought that displaced all the Native Americans of southwestern, uh, the southwestern U.S., killed millions of people, and then led to droughts all over the world that killed tens of millions more. Like, it's a real deal thing. So, if, if, you, if you understand all that, then you... You can get over yourself. You can get over your 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 your, your even your progeny to an extent. Like we're we're not going to set our, our our kids up for an infallible world. What you can do is live your life as well as you can. Come to terms with the fact that you're going to die on a regular basis. Just deal with it and be okay with it. Accept that you can have purpose and value in life and spread love, light, and truth all over the world with all your relationships and all your interactions imbue those values in your kids and try to teach them what the ancient pagan people, the ancient sun worshipers taught their kids, which is to live in harmony with nature, leave the world better than you found it, spread love in every way that you can, make the best of every situation. And there are some more complex beliefs beyond that, but but you can get people to completely deny those natural system of values by making them believe something that is completely not true, which is A, that the human race is going to just live on for another 100 million years. We're not. We're not. What matters is the legacy that we leave behind, and that starts again with the individual. Third Eye Navigator says, learn to die before you do. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah, that's so true. If you learn to die before you actually die, then you'll, you'll, uh, you won't have any fear of it. And if you're not afraid to die, then you don't have any reason to believe a certain belief system that prepares you for, for the afterlife. You know, like you want to go fly a plane into a building because you think you're, you, you you're going to have 72 virgins. I mean, that's not a that's not a good way to be. So in, in essence, I mean, that's that's what I think. I, I think I think that that when I looked at human history, when I did that timeline, I did the research myself and 
I found that that disasters fuck up the world regularly. Half the world or a quarter of the world and every couple thousand years, the whole world. And living in such a way that you think that the human race is immortal is the only way that you can justify living the kind of existence that we've lived. Treating the earth like shit, treating each other like shit, and not accepting our own mortality. All right, I'm going to read through some of this stuff. So Wolf says, don't you think the world's greatest pandemic disease is way overdue? I've tried manifesting it since I was 20. Wolf, that is the most cynical thing I've ever heard you say. I hope that that's a language barrier because I, I can't imagine you sitting around hoping or trying to manifest a pandemic on the world. You're too, you're too nice for that. All right, still reading here. Let's see. Yeah, I just used the 72 virgins things as a um as a uh, an example. But I mean, it's no different with any religion. It's no different with any religion. All right, Shay. I'll look that up. Hey, um, Paul, Sufism is one of one of my major fascinations, by the way. And I don't I don't I don't know that Sufism really fits into the same category as other branches of Islam, by the way. I think you, you would agree with that. I would love to talk to you about Sufism sometime. Sufism is a whole different branch of Islam. I'm not even going to sit here and talk about it in front of an imam. <laughs> But I, I, I am extremely fascinated with Sufism. Sufism is a, is a beautiful belief system from what I understand. I've done, I've done, I say a lot of research, but again, I'm, I'm sitting here talking to an imam. I, I can't really make that, that profession. But, uh, but I, you know, what I understand about, about the Sufi belief system is, is a, is a, is a beautiful belief system. It's, it's a borderline. I, yeah, I believe it's real Islam too. Yeah, no, I do too. Absolutely. But you guys don't believe the way that other people, other Islamic, Islamic people believe, do you? You don't practice, you don't live the same way. It's very different. So, Paul, I'm curious about this, and anybody else. Hey, Shay, uh, have you ever heard of the Baha'i faith? The Baha'i, like B-A-H-A-I, but there's an apostrophe in there somewhere. There was a guy, I think he was a Sufi Muslim in like the 1830s, and he started a, um, a religion called the Baha'i Faith. And he took, hold on, I'm going to stop this screen recording because I'm not doing anything on my, on my computer screen. What a waste of space. Um, this guy took, this guy was a Sufi. Um, yeah, there's plenty of people from every religion that are crazy. But uh, the Baha'i faith, it was like, I think he was a Sufi Muslim, and he uh, he did what I think a lot of people did. He did what I think Jesus did. He certainly did what Krishnamurti did. Jiddu Krishnamurti. Um, 
that was really Shay that got me sort of on. Uh, yeah, Shay kind of got me got me more tuned into Jiddu Krishnamurti, but Jesus has kind of been a, a figurehead in, in in my life in this regard because. You know, Jesus was a guy like this guy that started the Baha'i faith, and I can't remember his name. I'll look him up real quick. But yeah, uh, Tyler just put it in chat there. Baha'i, it's B-A-H-A apostrophe I. And what they did was they realized, uh, this guy realized that um, that all of the ancient religions were all saying the same thing. They were all coming from the same source. They were all laying out the same template. They all just had different tribal bullshit that came along with them. And uh, if you guys have ever seen that show, The Office, Dwight, the act, uh, the actor that plays him, Rain Wilson, is from the Baha'i faith. And if you understand that, and then you see him, his character in the show, um, you can see how it's funny that like Rain Wilson played the character he did and why like his belief system was like this mishmash of like <laughs> it was like paganism and and druidism and and like ancient protestantism and all this stuff yeah that uh the baha'i faith is a, is a legit deal like if i was going to be ashley and i have actually been talking to some hindu friends of ours and we're thinking about going to join a hindu temple because the hindu people are, are, are beautiful people too. They understand that like religions have, have all just sort of been a mishmash of each other. And modern Hinduism, I forget what the name of the uh, the temple is that we got referred to, but um, modern Hinduism, I mean, people in, in modern Hinduism know that, that, that the, the religions are all the same thing. You know, they'll go to a Christian church and pray. They'll go to a, you know, a Buddhist church and pray. They don't care. They get it. And I think that's cool. But the Baha'i faith is that way. But it's just hard to, it's hard to see, um, it's hard to find a uh, a Baha'i church. Bahia, her name is Bahia. Upanishads. I don't know anything about the Upanishads, but uh, I know about Sufism and I know about the Baha'i faith. But I, but I, but Jesus, Jesus got it, man. Jesus grew up near Gobekli Tepe. He grew up over in the Middle East. He was he was doing a lot of stuff over there, and he grew up with some woke people. I always talk about Jesus. I mean, Shay's somebody I enjoy talking about Jesus with because we have very similar views on Jesus. But I look, I think, here's what I think, man, in a nutshell. I think that every so often, there is a periodic change of consciousness in the world. This is super high-level stuff, right? Conscious, global consciousness type stuff. I think every so often there is a consciousness shift in the world. And it's been marked like a bookmark. It's been it's been or a milestone, a mile marker. It's been marked in time by this star, this um, what Shay and other you know what other people call the star prophecy, and it seems to happen around the same period of time that that someone is born, or or I think I think people, lots of people are born at a certain time when there starts to be an awakening, and. Uh, even Terrence McKenna has talked about this. You know, you start to have, you know, typically young men around the age of 30 that that have this eclectic background and all this stuff educationally and spiritually, religiously, and or professionally. And you look around around today, and we have tons of people that that fit this mold of of really eclectic people. Jordan Peterson, I think, is one. Sam Harris might end up getting there at some point. Oh, Mina, Mina's here. 
Mina, the Rebel Latina. Um, but I think every so often you have this 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 star prophecy that comes to fulfillment, but it's not like a prophecy like we, the left brain scientists say, well, prophecy is bullshit. But and and the right brain people go, it's not bullshit. But a person in the middle can go, guys. I mean, it's not a prophet. It's like a prophecy because we understand it. Like it's 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 a periodic cycle of time, and we can we can calculate it and we can we can prophesy or really forecast. It's like a meteorologist. If you call a meteorologist a prophet, then left brain close closed minded scientific people would say meteorologists were all frauds. But we don't call them prophets. We call them meteorologists because there's a science behind the understanding of it. But if you lack the understanding of the science of astrology, then you just call them prophets. And, and then you know, if you're right brain, you call them prophets. If you're left brain, you call them frauds. But if you have balance in your midbrain, then you say they are people that understand a science that the right brain people can't explain. And the left brain people are too closed minded to look at. That's what an astrologer is. And I think Jesus, Jesus was an astrologer. Um, but he was an eclectic philosopher and collector of ancient wisdom. And he lived in a part of the world there where they had star worshipers. They had the, um, I always I always have a brain fart and can't remember what those people were called. But they were the star people, man. All those tribes all over the Middle East were all star worshipers, sun worshipers. And when we call them worshipers, they weren't worshiping in the same way that we think today. They weren't like sitting around, you know, just praising God or whatever the way we do today, you know, like like throwing themselves on the ground and, you know, worshiping a statue or whatever. Um, well, thank you, Mina. That just kind of popped in my head. I, I'm going to have to use that one again. <laughs> I'm kind of, yeah, I'm kind of thankful for that one. That one just popped in there. I had nothing to do with that. Um, but when we talk about the way that the ancients worshipped, like it really irritated me the other day. I was watching Jordan Peterson and, and Ben Shapiro, um, both guys who I love, talking about... Um, about uh, you know purpose in life and this and that. Great, great YouTube video. 26 minutes long. Jordan Peterson, Ben Shapiro. Go watch it. Really good. Uh, but, but Ben Shapiro, the one beef I have with him is... Um, Wolf, be good, man. Uh, but the one beef I have with Ben Shapiro is like he's married to this idea that like we need Abrahamic religions, um, like monotheistic Abrahamic religions to or Judeo-Christian values uh, to build our society around. And, like, the absurdity in that for most people in this channel is understanding that, like, that is not true because Abrahamic values all got robbed from ancient Egyptian values, and God knows where the Egyptian values came from long before that. But you can get a lot more pure belief system without all of the tribal bullshit by, you know, by absorbing values from pre-Abrahamic times. Um... But, you know, I, I think that there are these, these cycles that these ancient people understood. And if you look at what the Muslims, like the Sufi Muslims and stuff like that, in original times, uh, the original Muslim days, where were they? They were in, they were in Jesus's area, man. They were over in the Middle East and they were studying the stars, which is what you do in the desert. And they didn't believe, uh, Shay, hold on to that one. I'm going to come back to that one. I'm going to, that, that is so deep. I don't even know if, I mean, like. <laughs> why does one believe man that's a deep one let me finish this line of thought i'm gonna i'm gonna try to hit that one if i can when i'm done um but uh the but but what 
what the what the ancient star worshippers, you know, Ben Shapiro in this in this conversation with Jordan Peterson, he said, you know, that monotheistic religions or uh, Judeo-Christian religion does does certain things for the it gives it gives purpose and it, and it, and it shows uh, reverence for the Almighty and this and that and and he kind of diminishes or disparages polytheistic religions. He goes, well, the polytheistic religions or belief systems don't really do that, you know. But my issue is that we have I'm I'm convinced we as a society um, our anthropologists are everybody who's studying mythology like mostly ha they have polytheism messed up like polytheism the worship of many gods i think in most cases historically like the greeks wasn't polytheism it was pandeism not polytheism i think the romans were probably polytheistic meaning that they worshiped many gods and like i've said before theism remember is man on a cloud judging you specifically man on a cloud judging you for what you do while naked that's a that's a theistic god right that's 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 what the christians teach and stuff like that that's polytheism means many men on clouds judging you right or punishing you or whatever but i don't think we have it right if you've ever been into an ancient temple, a big massive temple of some sort, or even a big cathedral maybe in, in modern times, like one of the big beautiful ones in New York City, or you know, if you have a big beautiful um, uh, temple somewhere. Um, yeah, you're, Paul, you're totally right. I mean, Richard Dawkins is the most dogmatic dude on the planet, and I used to love him, and I, I, I've read all of his, every single one of his books. I've, 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 there's not a word he's ever spoken in public that I, I haven't absorbed through reading or watching, but he is the most dogmatic dude on the planet. And he is, um, he is like uh, called the world's leading scientist and atheist. But he's 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 as religious as they get. But but we if we don't understand that polytheism is not the same as pandeism, then then we're missing the point. Pandeism is the understanding that all things are God, all things have div the divine in them, and that there is a divine purpose to all things. The school of Stoicism in ancient Greece from Chrysippus is one of my favorite examples that I won't get into. We could do a whole podcast on Greek philosophy and even on the Stoics and Chrysippus, who is one of the most underrated philosophers, probably the most underrated philosopher in history, Chrysippus of, of Greece, of Stoa. Um, but he believed something that modern philosophers, Sam Harris and uh, Ben Shapiro and those guys, Jordan Peterson, they all struggle with, is that how can you have a deterministic universe and still have free will. Chrysippus addressed that. Axiomatic logic addresses that. And I think that's why we don't have, we don't have, uh, hold on. I got a dog at the door. One sec. Come on, dude. This... You want to come say hi? No. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. Oh, oh, oh. oh. Say hello. Hello. Oh. Okay. You cannot eat my food. So anyway. Yeah, I forget where we were going there, but uh but yeah, look up Chrysippus of Greece, C H R I C H R Y S I P P U S. I think I talked about it the other day. But the more I listen to these these philosophers and stuff today or whatever they are. I just, 
philosophy today is such it's in such a shambles as a as a field of study and a field of discussion. Our philosophers today are lost because they've disconnected with spirit. They don't uh, they don't have it, man. Dan Dennett is a philosopher. We've got Dan Dennett as a philosopher today. Give me a break, man. What a joke. I try to be positive, but it's that guy's hard hard for me to be positive about people like that. Like when the state of our philosophy is the best we can offer is like Daniel Dennett and Sam Harris, and I love Sam Harris, but like really? Like when we had Plato and Aristotle and Socrates and Chrysippus in the past and like Hermes all the different lineage of Hermes, and then now we've got like these guys that don't even understand spirituality or that there is a spiritual world. They can't even explain how you could have a deterministic universe and willpower at the same time. It's sad. We're in a sad state. That's why you guys are going to change the world. You guys are going to change the world. Okay, all right, I'm done rambling about <laughs> about Greek philosophy. I'm sorry. What? All right, so I'm going to read what Shay said, but... Let's see. What would you do if you had to choose between your belief and life? The literal biblical interpretations are not factual. Shay, I don't know who you're addressing. There is something eternal. It doesn't really matter what one calls it. It's the why. Yeah. <laughs> Mina. <laughs> Are you just laughing to laugh? That's totally fine. I'm always good for a laugh. You can laugh at me all you want. I'm going to eat another bite of pizza, though. Literalism is the problem, Paul. You are so right, man. Literalism is the problem. If we... Yeah. So literalism is the problem. This is the left brain again. Are you guys? I always talk about this, but you guys understand like the left brain, right brain models, right? Sorry, guys. I'm so committed to the cause. I'm eating cold pizza while I'm talking to you. That's how much I love you. I'm about to get the hell out of here and go heat this pizza up, though. Well, it's all mythology. It's all telling stories in ways that we can understand. That's what I was talking about earlier. Is like there's no better way. And I mean, there is nothing even close to mythology when it comes to um, the efficiency of a tool for teaching a template of how to live. I've tried. I've tried, man. I have sat down and tried to map out and create a whole new calculus to to like a metaphysical calculus to try to explain how to live taking into account spiritual concepts and constructs like like reward and love and and belief and faith and self-confidence and all this stuff there's nothing that even comes close to being able to provide a template for how to live in the way that that uh, that mythology does it's just a language that is perfectly made um, because you can wrap all of these all these things up, um, all, all these different character sets and stuff inside of one character using archetypes and everything. Mythology is the only way you can do it. 
you can't write it out. It's it's such an inefficient way to do it. Mythology is is far superior, far superior. But literalism is a left brain characteristic, and it it, it it's what's uh, what's wrong with everything. Now, third eye navigator says, "What if this is just a simulation? What if our brains are hallucinating?" Adam Austin says, "We were talking about the rising consciousness worldwide. The forty-six and two concept is interesting. I don't have any idea what the forty-six and two concept is. I apologize." I capture truth says I can really connect with you. What you said about the disconnect of philosophy and the spirit. Well, good. Pyramids, bro. Great words. Thank you. It's something I've always done naturally when trying to explain something about life. I turn to stories of one form or another long before I even realized I was doing it. Yeah, my whole life I, I was always, I've always been a metaphor guy. People have always talked about like when I was a kid, like they were like, damn, dude, you always talking metaphors. Because I'm always like, you know, it's like when you da-da-da-da-da. And I would just always go off onto some metaphorical rant, you know. Oh, the 44 and 2 DNA thing. Oh, yeah. I don't know much about DNA, man. I'll be honest. I like I, I um, Terrence McKenna's Time Wave Zero Theory and uh, how the DNA correlates to the I Ching is like one of the most beautiful things I've ever heard but I don't know enough about DNA. It's, it's always been boring to me. I mentioned this on a podcast the other night, but like when it comes to anything, anything of like the personal sciences, like anything that, that has to do with the human body, I, I, I don't read a lot about a lot of that stuff. I just take mushrooms, <laughs> you know? And I figure a lot of that stuff out on my own. Uh, when it comes to geology and stuff like that, you know, I do a lot of reading and, and uh, you know, a lot of certain kinds of physics and, astronomy and um, archaeology. I mean, I read about that stuff a lot. But, like, when it comes to stuff like DNA, like, I'm always... I'm convinced that, like, one day we're all just going to wake up. Anybody who's been reading about stuff in the conscious community is just going to wake up and just know a bunch of shit about DNA. It's just all going to happen. Yeah, like, 98% of our DNA is considered junk DNA, and that's the most absurd, crazy thing I've ever heard in my life. Go play Assassin's Creed. (laughs) Like the video game, man. They put you in a they put you in a machine and they can send you back through your DNA and what you do affects what you do in the past is what you were determined to do, but you can go through the motions. But you know it, it's it's again it's both deterministic in the sense that you you're not going to change the future, but you have the free will of doing what you do. But what you do will inevitably lead to what will happen, and so that's how you have. Um, that game is made by some really woke-ass people, <laughs> like so many different art forms and stuff are, because what you know, what you do is deterministic. Um, finding your place in the spiral of the universe is the answer. Finding your place in the spiral of the universe is the answer. You're not going to like, you know, what what you do, what you do in the, today. Hey, what's up, man? What you do today may have a ripple effect back through time. Like you've heard like time is a flat circle or whatever. You know, you can believe that or believe time is a spiral or a cube or a circle or, you know, a sphere or whatever. But uh, to, to me, it, it only makes sense. I mean, time is, time is a, a construct of, time is a construct of, of psychology. And what you do right now can, it makes sense to me that it would be able to ripple back through time and affect 
something that you've done in a past life through your DNA. I think the, I think the, the DNA is the seat of the soul. And that's what I think. I think the DNA is the seat of the soul, what we would call a soul. I think that we, re, we reincarnate. Uh, we have an imprint, a spiritual imprint or a soul imprint on our DNA, and it regenerates. And I think that at, astrologically what happens in the stars doesn't affect, but, um, I mean, from a planetary standpoint, it may affect which of our DNA um, pairs and stuff gets switched on or switched off based on like when we were conceived or you know whatever. Maybe even at when we were born, there may be different points. Whenever a, the the concepts of astrology that we don't fully understand today may have an impact. In fact, I'll say I'm I'm convinced they do have an impact on what gets switched on. Like if you look like your mom, or you have your dad's intelligence, or you, you know. Whatever. I mean, the celestial bodies have a lot of an impact on a lot of things that we do. So it seems silly to me to, to, to deny the, the, the high probability that they have some impact on, on our DNA. DNA being constructed of proteins and water and a bunch of other stuff that we know are, are subject to celestial activity. What are my thoughts on psychedelics? <laughs> Go to the YouTube channel. <laughs> I'm not. Yeah, um, I don't mean to be be dismissive because that's such a great question. It's such an important question. But but in all reality, um, man, go to the, go to the YouTube channel. Go to the YouTube channel. It's in my bio on here on Instagram, and um, go to the YouTube channel. If you want to know what my thoughts are on psychedelics, go to the YouTube channel. <laughs> you'll you'll get a lot more there. I think like every podcast we have, we end up talking about. Uh, yeah, Shamanic Philosophy on YouTube. JC, thank you, sir. Y'all go follow JC, especially if you like good food. God, my food's so cold. I love you guys so freaking much. My girlfriend's out there hanging out with her gay buddy, who I love. While I'm in here eating cold pizza, hanging out with you beautiful, wonderful people. That's how much I care. All right, so Adam Austin says, a few aboriginals that recently existed or still do. There's my gay buddy, Pasha. Pasha Astral. A few aboriginals that recently existed or still do have two less chromosomes. They can't comprehend the world we live in ourselves. What the hell? Adam, are you serious? Hold on a second. Are you serious? Like, I'm serious, man. There, Because what you're saying, like, totally resonates with me right now. That, that makes a lot of sense to me. But what you just said trips me out so much I can't deal with it right now. You're saying that there are people on this planet right now, the aboriginals, because this would make sense if you understand the aboriginal people. Uh, very archaic people that they have two less pairs of chromosomes and they can't figure out what the hell's going on in this world. That's insane. God, now my brain's going to explode. What the hell do I do with that? Dude, now I've got a whole new thing to look. Oh, man. Shay, I blame you for me not knowing about this. <laughs> this is your fault, man. You're supposed to know everything I don't know. JC is my creative better half. 
Shay is my um Shay is my uh my 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 research better half. Jesus Christ. Uh topic Russian is um right now we're at um fuck where <laughs> I don't know. I lost track. We uh we're at hold on. We're, 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 right now we're talking about how there's an there's a a strain of a strain of of DNA or a a a subset of people within the aboriginal um population that has two fewer strands of DNA or pairs of DNA than what other humans do and so they can't comprehend reality and they just stay all disoriented and stuff and that that ties in with what we know about um I'm going to put my pizza in a drawer like a savage just to get it out of my damn computer screen because I'm not going to eat it while I'm talking to you guys. God. Um, I see a salad in my future. Uh, yeah, that just makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense that there would be an archaic group of people on this planet that are vestigial remnants of a past culture that have fewer DNA strands and then just as there may be some of us that are left over vestigial remnants in the future as we ascend to Christ consciousness or crystalline consciousness and we all move up in the DNA spectrum and we're not going to those people won't know what the hell's going on that's um it's kind of hard to move on from that i mean i don't know there's nothing more interesting in my mind i can think of here i'm going to let thor out real quick hold on Go, go. Yeah. So the only other thing I could think of, uh, you guys. No, actually, I'm not gonna go into it. We touched on it the other day. The underwater river that's under the ocean, and how there are like probably fish in that underwater river. And the water's too saline for the marine biologists to find it. Like, to, to, their, their, their ROVs, their remote-operated vehicles, can't penetrate that super saline water in the under, underwater river. So they can't really go explore it. And then my, my, my thought that there are fish in that river, and to those fish, the fish that, that live on the shores of that river, which would be the ocean bottom to us, you know, that those would be, a, those would be, would be ascended beings that live in a whole different dimension. And then to those beings, like the dolphins and sharks and regular fish would be like the birds are to us because they're able to fly, you know, uh, up above the ocean floor. And then there's like a river down here. And so you have this whole other ecosystem. And then to the dolphins and sharks and whatnot, you have you have us, you have humans. And we're, we're in a whole different stratosphere, a whole different dimension. You know, 99% of sharks and all fish in the ocean will go their whole lives and never see a human being. And then to human beings, we have birds, and birds live in a whole dimension that we don't. I think there's another dimension beyond that. I think that outside of our outside of our globe, outside of our globe, I think there's another stratosphere. I think we have. I think the reason that all the flat earthers have any artillery at all, the reason they think the Earth is flat, is because NASA lies about all these pictures of the Earth, and they don't send in real pictures of the Earth. But I think the reason NASA does it 
is I think that they don't want us to see that the Earth is not quite as solid as we think it is. I think that there's a, a watery... I think we're all underwater. The air, our atmosphere is water to a higher, <clears throat> to a higher group, to a higher group of people, of entities. That's what I think. And I think it, the Earth may even look different than that whenever you get outside of the atmosphere. I don't, you know, I think I think that we we go through some shit. If you think about like the uh, God, I can't, I, I don't want to spiral into this. Let me see, Third Eye Navigator. Uh, yeah, man, I don't want to get off on that because I, I could just keep going. And it's all speculative, you know. I don't care. I don't mind speculating. In the absence of proof, I'll take evidence. In the absence of evidence, I'll take speculation. What do you say, guys? You want to wrap it up? You guys have hung in there for a long time. It's been a long time. We'll wrap it up. We'll take one more. And I'm going to go reheat my pizza. And go play Dance Revolution with my gay friends. Because I'm not scared. I'll beat that ass. Any questions? Bueller? Anybody? If not, I will wrap it up. And thank you guys so much. Not before I plug the YouTube channel. Make sure you go to the YouTube channel. Um, this was all... This was all recorded. Provided my... My computer doesn't pull something crappy and uh, file corrupt on me or something. Yeah, Danny, go ahead. You you just joined, so go ahead. Before you guys jump off, Danny's got a question. Let's see what we got. Shay, we need to talk, man. <laughs> we really need to talk. Hop on Skype. We've got work to do. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, everybody. If you guys do need to jump, go ahead. I cannot tell you guys how much I, I appreciate you. I mean it, man. I get so much from these conversations. It just means the world to me. Um, we will check out that tool thing, the 46 and 2 thing. I mean, that's just a whole new world for me to get into. It's blowing my mind. It correlates with so many things that I'm that I'm studying right now that I'm into right now. I mean, it just blows my mind. Go to the YouTube channel, subscribe, please. Shamanic philosophy. Let's build that. Let's build that thing so JC and I can start um, making that our our core group. We've got so much room to so much ground to make up to make to make YouTube as big as the Instagram platform has been. But if we're going to really grow and get this thing going and get like, I want to get Joe Rogan on. You know, I want to do like, I want to do some head to head shit with him. I want to get people really. We have some big, big name people on to really have a good time with you guys. Graham's going to be on. Graham Hancock's going to be on. Um, he's working on the book right now, and he's kind of heads down. But here in the next couple months, Graham's going to be on. So that'll be cool. Uh, let me see. Danny says, hey, thanks. I'm scared of psychedelics. Did LSD once, and I couldn't stop crying, and the adrenaline was too much. I'd love to learn and enjoy and control the effect. Any advice? So JC can talk more about LSD than I can. Um, probably Jean Ray could, too. Uh, my advice, 
take mushrooms. <laughs> That's my advice. Don't take LSD. I mean, not don't take L, don't you know not don't take it. But if you've already had it, um, you know, then whatever. But like you know, mushrooms is a lot different. Yeah, yeah, shrooms is just a whole different deal. But JC's got a lot more. I mean, I don't have if you know. JC gave me some bogus LSD one time. <laughs> But other than that, you know, he's the guy to talk to about LSD. He's done it a bunch of times. But but I, here's an, here's my advice to you, and this is this is heartfelt, okay? Heartfelt advice here. Um, two or three things, like three things probably. Um, oh, fuck it. Okay, look. All right, I've got like five more minutes. I've, I've got. All right, I'm gonna do this. It's gonna take like five minutes. But this is such an important question, and it kind of keeps coming up. So, so here's the deal. Number one, um, what Third Eye Navigator says, uh, practice meditation and learn the art of letting go. That's extremely helpful, okay? Extremely helpful. Um, I would do that. Accept what you're going through and just deal with it, like like a roller coaster, right? Like I always ask people before they take any psychedelics, like how do you deal with roller coasters? And if you don't like roller coasters, you're not going to like psychedelics. But that doesn't mean you can't. And it doesn't mean you shouldn't try to get to a point where you can. Because the art of letting go is, in fact, the point of psychedelics. So learn the art of letting go. That's helpful. Uh, the next thing is to understand, like, and I always speak from the perspective of mushrooms. Because that's, that's really where the, the bulk of my experience is, too. But um, with mushrooms, uh, as with any psychedelic, I'm, I'm fairly certain, set setting, surroundings, situation, people. Make sure that's all perfect. That is so key. Don't be taking don't be taking shit and going to a party. Bad idea. Don't do that. Um Yeah. Yeah, Third Eye Navigator says the reason you freak out when tripping is because things are coming up and you have not and you have to face them, not push them away. Yeah, that's so true. So what I say is like with mushrooms with a small dose of mushrooms from like one to three and a half grams or four and a half grams of mushrooms, one foot is out of the swimming pool and one foot is in the swimming pool. And uh, your body doesn't know how to handle with that, ha- handle that. And, and, and it's trying to go back and forth and, and, it, and, it, and it freaks your mind out. Your mind doesn't know where to go. So I, I call that the danger zone. Um, once you've learned how to deal with psychedelics, especially the particular one of choice for you, the uh, a small dose, like a microdose of one or one and a half grams of mushrooms is beautiful and it's awesome. And you can like clean the house and do laundry and stuff with it. But um, be mindful of the the dosage because that, that danger zone of small to medium is a danger zone. Like that's where your head can't decide if it's in the pool or out of the pool. It's got one foot in the real world and one foot in the vision world, and, and it can't figure it out. Um, and when you try to push stuff away, fight it off, it does push back harder. You accept it. I've had a demon on mushrooms. I took like four grams of mushrooms or three and a half grams of, of really strong mushrooms. And uh, like, I don't know, a year and a half ago, a year ago, and had this big crazy demon well, my girlfriend Ashley had just had a bad trip like two weeks earlier. And so I like had this really vindictive sort of mindset coming into this mushroom trip. And I took a danger zone dose on purpose. And and uh, I wanted to just bring some demons into my circle and just fucking rail them. Because I was so, I just, 
I was mad because it was so devastating to her to have this bad trip. So I took like three and a half grams and I just called up the demons as much as I could. And I was just like, fucking bring it, man. So I had this big, crazy, gnarly demon come creeping into my room, left a big, gross, black handprint on my wall, and he just came up with his stinking breath and put his face right in my face, and he just snarled and growled, and and I, I, I laughed him out of the room. And I just thought, this is the worst that my consciousness can dream up for me. This is the worst that I've got to show myself. And I just, I just was like, get the fuck out of my face. Just go away. Like, I realized deep inside that I was bigger than that, Right? And so that's that's what you got to do is realize that you are God of your own universe. You are Jesus. You are whatever divinity that you find that you can cling to, that you can resonate with. Take that and and just it becomes really at that point like a, like a fucking fairy tale adventure, you know, because you can do whatever you want to do. And the demons that you defeat in that realm represent fears and self-doubt and other things in the real world. And so got rid of the demon uh, had the best trip, had a great time. So either microdose, prepare yourself for a medium dose and face the demons that you may encounter or may not. Don't run from them. Or take five to seven or eight grams. Uh, again, in mushroom terms, uh, a heroic dose is what Terrence McKenna would call that. And, um, uh, and then you don't have to worry about anything. <laughs> You take five, six, seven, eight grams of mushrooms. Of uh, you, you, nothing matters. I mean, you're not going to have a bad trip on that. You know, it's just not going to happen. So that's what I would say: is one, learn to let go with any psychedelic. Two, um, take a microdose if you if you if you can. Three, if you take a medium dose, be prepared for what may come and deal with it. Four, take a heroic dose and just not worry about it and just come back a whole different person. That's uh, that's it. Yeah, and if you're a witch or a shaman or something like that, then it's really fun, right? We're, we, I think most people in this group probably have shamanic or, or witchcraft type of um, predilections, you know? Hey, it's Off the Grid. It's my homie. You guys follow Off the Grid. He is full of funny positive things funny positive things the handprint looked physical but it was not physical the demon was representative of, of, of things within myself that's the uh, the last time I saw a physical looking demon um, because my psyche figured out that, that I don't I don't respond uh, I don't have a defensive reaction uh, psychologically to physical demon um, constructs so my my consciousness never sent me a demon a physical demon again that was the last time my brain you know you, you are you got to understand you are the devil you are god your brain when you're on a mushroom trip or something like that you you know your brain's going to try to throw the worst shit at you it can just to see what it can and you'll see it it's your ego your ego is satan your ego is the devil and it, it'll try to throw all kinds of crazy shit at you um it'll come up with the worst things it can you know, the last mushroom trip I had was the hardest I've ever had, and I never saw a visual anything. It was, it was, it was, it was geometric mathematical proofs of, <laughs> you know, how bad of a person I was, you know. But it was just trying to break open my 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 shell and get me to 
get me to face some things that I needed to face. Yeah, it's very much just cleaning yourself out. Yeah. Yeah, I was just cleaning myself out. I had to face some things I wasn't facing. That's all it was. Okay. All right, guys. Two hours into this, we have it recorded. I am so super thankful for you guys. Off the grid, you'll have to watch it, man. We recorded this for you. Just for you, buddy. Just for you. Yeah, your ego is the devil. Don't forget it. Right, go to the YouTube channel. Mina, have you subscribed? I forget. If you haven't subscribed, I'm done with you. Everybody, go subscribe to the YouTube channel. Shamanic Philosophy. Let's build it. That's it, man. Listen, guys. May the light be upon you. May life be within you. May you be a sun shining on the paths of all men. You guys are that. I see it in you. God bless you. I love you guys so much. Go subscribe. Get out of here. Have an awesome week.